Welcome to the Clifford Chance podcast, where we discuss the biggest issues and trends faced by businesses today. Coronavirus, as an outbreak, is affecting all businesses. There is daily news of events being cancelled, problems in supply chains, and tourism severely affected. An issue that a number of our clients are grappling with is how to mitigate this loss. Today, we will be discussing the extent to which insurance, which these businesses have already taken out, may be available to cover these significant losses. My name is Baljit Rai, and I'm a senior associate in Clifford Chance's litigation and dispute resolution practice, specialising in insurance law. And I'm here today, joined by my colleague and fellow senior associate, Christopher Ingham. Chris, can you talk us through a little about how we can identify which policies may respond to losses? Sure. Thanks, Baljit. And I think that's a really important question because for any business which is facing losses arising from the coronavirus, it's really important to identify at an early stage if there is any insurance in place because it's quite common for insurance policies to have strict provisions about how you should be managing your response to those losses and your communications with the insurers. So it, even though a business is probably uh, facing a huge burden at the moment, it is important to make sure that you pay attention to your insurance cover to make sure that it will respond if, it's, if it needs to. Um, so in, in recent days, we've been looking at a number of different issues arising from coronavirus and a number of different types of policies which might respond. I mean, perhaps the most obvious form of insurance cover is event insurance. Um, so for organisers of particular events will often obtain bespoke insurance cover which covers them against the risks of cancellation. Um, and we've seen in recent days cancellation of various arts, trade, sporting events across the globe. The other um, key area of insurance where this may impact is credit insurance. That's insurance which covers financial institutions who have lent money to people against the risk of non-payment. And as we see, unfortunately, the impact of a coronavirus spreading, it's quite clear that this is going to have some quite serious impacts on supply chains and potentially on the solvency of businesses, which may mean that lenders need to call on their credit insurance if they aren't able to obtain repayment under their, under their loans or other financial instruments. And I think finally, the other area of insurance where this is particularly relevant is business interruption insurance. Now, typically, business interruption insurance is sold as an add-on to a property insurance policy, and it will tend to provide cover where there has been physical damage to the insured's property, which has resulted in an interruption to their business and a loss of profit arising from that. Now, unfortunately, that form of insurance is unlikely to be triggered by the outbreak. But what we do also see is um, business interruption insurance also sold either as a standalone product or, or in more expansive form that will potentially respond where the cause of interruption is not physical damage but something like the coronavirus outbreak which actually prevents the business from operating as, as anticipated. Thank you Chris, that's very helpful. 
it's important that clients essentially look at their insurance policies in place for their businesses and identify any relevant ones, particularly the ones that you have already mentioned. So whilst we as lawyers might be looking closely at the details of individual policies that clients present to us, what are the sort of common issues arising for businesses at the moment from these wordings? Sure. So I think the most important issue which insureds are facing at the moment is determining whether the policy trigger has actually been met. Every insurance policy will have a particular insuring clause that sets out exactly what circumstances need to occur in order for an insured claim to arise. And that might, for example, set out exactly what kind of event will trigger the cover. And what we're seeing at the moment is businesses taking some quite difficult decisions about how they respond to the outbreak. So, for example, if you're the organiser of an event, if that event is taking place outside of one of the countries currently seriously affected by the coronavirus outbreak, do you decide to go ahead? Or do you decide that the, that the risks involved in having that large number of people in one place are, are simply too great to bear? And that's the kind of decision that businesses are, across the globe are taking on a day-to-day -day basis. And whether that's insured is going to be quite a specific question depending on the, on the particular wording of the policies. I agree, um, Chris, on all the points made there. One thing that is paramount for our clients and all businesses to do is to examine the wordings of their policies very carefully, and in particular the insuring clauses and the exclusions to see whether there is cover. So in event insurance, which is a policy that we're seeing quite a bit of at the moment, um, it's not uncommon for the insuring clause to provide that cancellation be necessary. And um, in our experience, the insured and the insurer will have different positions on whether cancellation is necessary. I, I agree. I think that's exactly right. Another key area for an insurer to look at is whether there are any particular exclusions in the policy which would be impacted by the particular event. To give one example, credit insurance is likely to be a key form of insurance responding to the outbreak. But typically a credit insurance policy will exclude losses where the obligor does not have an obligation to repay the sums lent to it. And you may well find that the coronavirus outbreak triggers a force majeure provision in the underlying contract with the effect that the obligor is excused from its obligations. And if that were to be the case, it's possible that the credit insurance would not respond. Again, it always depends on the particular wording, but those are the kind of risks we're seeing. Um, I think another important area to look at are the aggregation clauses in insurance contracts. So typically an insurance policy will have a deductible, which is the kind of the level which the loss needs to exceed before it's covered, and it will also have a policy limit, which is the maximum amount, amount that the policy will pay out for any one loss. What counts as one loss is not a straightforward question and typically a policy would have a clause in it which sets out what is one loss and that may try to aggregate different losses 
so that they form one loss for policy purposes. So where there is a global outbreak of, of a disease, as we're seeing at the moment, you may find policies that treat that as one loss, or you may find policies that treat each individual instance as a loss. And that may have a very different impact depending on what your deductible and what your policy limit is. So that's an area that you'll need to pay really close attention to because how the loss is portrayed and how that clause applies may have quite a dramatic financial impact on you. Thank you, Chris. These are all excellent points and points that um, make it absolutely clear to anyone looking at a policy that they must look at the wording very, very carefully. And the other point to make here is is that this is not a static picture, it's a moving picture. So only very recently, the uh, UK government has announced that it will declare COVID-19 a notifiable disease in England. Scotland and Northern Ireland have already done this back in February. This is a formal classification required by some insurance policies. Uh, for example, business interruption policies may include a notifiable disease extension and the government's recent designation will be important in this regard to triggering coverage. So again, this is something that needs to be constantly reviewed as it is very much a moving picture. So moving on, when it comes to managing a claim, what do companies need to consider when they start a claims process that relates to losses impacted by coronavirus? Well, I think the most important thing to do where you think you may have an insurance claim is to find your insurance policy, read it and make sure you understand exactly what it requires you to do. Often insurance policies have clauses which are called warranties or conditions precedent. You need to be particularly careful around these because these are clauses which need, need to be strictly complied with and if you breach them in any way it's possible that, be, that there may be no liability on the part of the insurers to pay your claim. But I think in general there are a number of stages that you go through in the claims process. So the first one is notification. So you need to work out what needs to be notified to the insurers and when. Typically an insurance policy will require you to notify a circumstance that may give rise to a claim or is likely to give rise to a claim. So you need to identify what that clause is, what obligations it imposes on you and make sure that you comply with them. And it's important to do this at an early stage because often timing is critical. Then once you've done that, if you have unfortunately suffered a loss as a result of the outbreak, you will then need to submit your claim to the insurers. Typically, an insurer will put in what's called a proof of loss, which is a formal document setting out what's happened, why that triggers the insurance policy, and what your losses are as a result of it. And that can often be the start of a process of dialogue with the insurers, where you provide that information to them, they raise further questions of you, you respond to ultimately allow the insurer to take the decision as to whether in fact the policy has been triggered and whether your loss is covered. And I think the other key thing that, um, that applies throughout this process, so right from the start of notification you know, up until you've been paid and potentially beyond, 
is your duty to mitigate. The key principle of insurance law is that it is insuring a fortuity, so it is insuring losses which have risen outside of your control. So if anything that you do in the process of managing your response to what's happened increases your loss, then that may give insurers a defence to any claim which you bring. So it's really important to make sure that you are managing your response correctly. Generally, the advice to any insured will be, think about what you would do if you didn't have insurance, and then take that approach regardless of the fact that you do. And, and, and generally, that's the right approach. But you should also be engaging with your insurers on this point. So where you have difficult decisions to take, where you you think that you may have a route to, to make a recovery from a third party, I think our advice would almost always be talk to the insurer about it, explain what you are intending to do and get their input. Um, because you, you mean it's important that you have that dialogue with your insurer, really to make sure that everyone understands what you're doing. And because if insurers are going to have any concerns about your approach, it's better to know in advance. Yes, Chris, that's that's right. And the other thing to bear in mind is that um, often insureds and insurers work together because whilst an element of the loss will be covered by the insurance, it's not necessarily the case that all of the insured's loss will be covered because there are limits of liability. So it's important to agree a process um, which will actually uh, benefit both parties because both parties ultimately will have exposure um, in this process. And as you've already explained, as a matter of law, it is an, the obligation is on the insured to prove um, that um, insurance cover has been triggered and to prove its loss. Um, also, what may be helpful for an insured to know is to the extent that an insurer is saying that a exclusion is um, has been triggered, the onus is on the insurer to prove that that exclusion um, has been triggered and that the loss was caused as a result of the exclusion and therefore um, is there is no loss to be recovered under the policy. Um, another point is, as we've also um, found in our practice, is the uh, broker can sometimes be another party that can be brought into this process. They're the agent of the insured and they can also work with the insured um, in their whole claims process. And finally, um, if we get to the stage of payment, um, that's obviously a very good outcome uh, being paid under the policy. Um, however, before we uh, actually are paid um, under the policy, there could be issues that arise in terms of the timing of the payment. Um, what are the key things to look out for in terms of being paid under a policy? Well, I, mean, I think it's important to bear in mind that the claims process isn't always quick and often that the level of information that you need to give to the insurer can be quite substantial. So I think, as I mentioned earlier, it is important, as we've been just discussing, to engage with the insurer and to understand what their expectation is about what level of proof and evidence they need in order to be able to decide to, to pay your claim. So I think 
engaging with that claims process is really important if you want to um to obtain a speedy payment and i think given the nature of the losses that we are seeing in this situation there may well be businesses for whom a speedy payment is absolutely critical and i think so in addition to engaging with that process there is now a statutory remedy under the enterprise act 2016 which is where for any policy taken out after the 4th of May 2017, the insurers are under a duty to pay that claim within a reasonable time, unless there is an express exclusion clause within the policy. And if for any reason the insurers do not pay within a reasonable time, then the insured may be able to recover damages to the extent that that delay has caused a loss to them. Now. This is an area of law which is obviously quite new and there hasn't been that much case law on it. But generally the courts will look to a variety of factors in determining what is reasonable. For example, they will look at the type of the insurance, the size and complexity of the claim, what the relevant statutory or regulatory rules are, and whether the delay was caused by factors outside of the insurer's control. But this may well be a remedy which insureds can point to if there is a significant delay and certainly if they're in the claims process and they are becoming concerned about delaying payment again this may be a point which can be discussed with the insurers because it is a, a key area of leverage which an insured has if it believes that a delay is likely to result in a significant loss to it. Yes and that's a very um, good provision um, that works in the favour of insureds, particularly uh, the smaller businesses who are facing uh, pressure, financial pressure, and where uh, payout under an insurance policy is absolutely critical to them. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, these are issues that are very much at the forefront of many businesses' minds at the moment and certainly are issues that are live for our clients and hopefully today's discussion will be of some assistance. And if you found that helpful, you may be interested in listening to some of our other podcasts on cliffordchance.com or for more insights relating to coronavirus in particular, please have a look at our briefings library and thought leadership pages, also available on our website. You have been listening to the Clifford Chance podcast. Please stay tuned for more coming soon to cliffordchance.com.